0: Geeks Unleashed mm. conversation. What is your secret origin? How did you get into, like, find your love for comics and pop culture? Um, I, I think actually
1: my love of comics was the first love. So I I, I play music as well, and obviously I write um, yeah. novels. But the first thing before I ever wrote stories or played any musical instrument or anything like that. First thing I got into was comics. Uh, I I always say that I didn't find comics.
0: I think they comics, found, they comic found books me. found me. Yeah. yeah.
2: I loved action figures. Like action figures were my thing. Like I have uh, boxes of them <laughs> in the side of room over here. So action figures, cartoons, all that stuff was like was my thing. Introduce myself to a different community that when you go from one school to another that's mm-hmm. completely different it's kind of it can be jarring right but it was it was
0: something because it was a shared love a shared experience and that was one of the first times i realized that pop culture is a bridge uh, hello welcome to geeks unleashed it's episode 78
1: if you are not already subscribed you can find us at geeks unleashed everywhere including your favorite podcast platform remember five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners so please rate and review geeks unleashed on apple or PodChaser.
0: And as usual, I'm Mark, and joined by my co-host Jasmine from Texas. Hello. And we also have
1: Sean
2: Pryor. Hey, how y'all doing tonight? Thank you for having me on the show, y'all.
1: Thanks for coming.
2: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I've been I've been very I've been very. See, and I'm tongue tied. I'm so excited. I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk. Ever since I got I got the. Uh, direct message from Jasmine about one about asking if I wanted to be on the podcast I was like yeah sure yeah, this you, is I was yeah. so
1: nervous it took me like three days to send the message man
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know like with me it's always a thing of like I always tell folks it's like listen I, I just send me a message now I can't respond to everybody I can't because it's, it's humanly impossible to, to respond to everybody and Social media is weird because social media is a fantastic thing, it's a great thing, it's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. All all the same time. But um, but no, but but Jasmine, I know you. Like, you know, I know <laughs> you. I, you have contributed, you've like, you know, contributed to many Kickstarters that I've done over the years. And so you know, we follow each other on Twitter. So when you DM me, it's like, hey, you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, you know, you supported me for the longest time. So like the least I can do is support y'all. So, you know, awesome. This, Thank this, you. This, you're welcome. It's it's always about giving back you, you know what i mean it's always yeah. about giving back and trying to support and trying to support others so um you know like i'm i'm more than appreciative so thank you
1: well cool well this month we're sitting down with sean Virtually, of course. Uh, Sean Pryor, he is—he's uh, got some creator-owned works, stuff like Cash and Carry, Ignition, Nat Turner's Rebellion, Force. Um, he also has a lot of like Sports Illustrated for Kids kind of books. So I'm—I'm uh, I'm super excited to to get into this and basically just welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you as well, Sean. Like honestly, like so, uh, Jasmine's been really excited about having you on, mm-hmm. and um, but it's great to meet you. I know, like Jasmine, telling me like you guys have spoken and sort of kind of built up a bit of a relationship like previously on social media and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's just amazing to have you on. Um, before we kick off with anything, uh, it's like literally my opening question to everybody <laughs> is is what is your secret origin? And what I mean by that is how did you, so, you know, like some people discover sports. How did you discover like comics and pop culture? Not, not yeah. as a, not as a creator, but as a mm-hmm. fan, like how did you find yeah. that, find that world?
2: Um, so what happened was I was like three years old and, uh, at the age of three, I was reading on a first grade level
1: Wow. Um, at,
2: at a very, at a very young age. So, um, I would just pick up any book that was around the house and just start reading and um, and my mom was like my mom and dad were like okay well we need to do something about this because I had burned through all of my all of my children's books um, way back when I'm showing my age um, when I want to say this I'm showing my age but when I was when I was very young you would go to the grocery store and there would be a, a, a person selling encyclopedias and um, and so like be this person, with a table, some encyclopedias, and like, you know, you sign up and send a check, and you would get a new encyclopedia like every single month. Well, they also had something different as well. They also had um a Disney's children, like a Disney's children children's book series, where they were all storybooks based off of either Disney cartoons or retellings of old fairy tales with Disney characters. So my my parents invested in that. And every month for like about two years, I got a book every month. Well, like I said before, like at the age of three, like I burned through the first like six or seven, like just burn right through them and anything I could find. Just What's next? What's next? And uh, so one day my mom and dad, um, they, they picked me up over at my grandma's house and we got home and I got home. I got I went in my room and they came by with a stack of comic books and um, they said, OK, here's the deal. give you the stack of comic books and if you can tell me what actually happens in each of these books we'll go get you some more and I'm like oh a challenge oh this is great all right let's go (laughs) and so it was like it was Richie Rich um it was um Richie Rich Star Wars um Iron Man and I think like a Superman comic and like I and like and that was like the first time I like outside of like seeing like Charlie Brown and Peanuts and like newspaper strips mm-hmm. it was a completely different world completely different you know full color on every page and all this action and dialogue and like captions and word balloons and thought balloons and all this cool stuff and like I was like this this is the most amazing thing ever yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> and so you know I finished I finished them all like in a day or two and like I run to my mom I'm like when can we get more of these like I told her everything about all of them she's like oh, okay okay no problem Call <laughs> <laughs> calm down we're gonna go to the convenience store we'll go to the convenience store or grocery store later this week and we'll go get you some more and um and that's where it started um you know and plus you know television you know grew up you know watching challenge of the super friends and all the different um iterations of the super friends and then um the uh the law like the certain like the fcc laws got lifted uh during the reagan era to where cartoons could sell product so like the trans like you get like the the hasbro era of transformers gi joe and stuff like that you also in the early 80s had a bunch of anime early a bunch of anime being trans like uh, being redubbed and packaged and sent over to the united states for syndication so i was watching you know voltron um you know both the lion force and the vehicle force and then um watching uh Transor Z which was I think Mazinger Z um overseas and like that stuff like really blew, really blew my mind because like I love mecha and robots and like I was like okay like we, we can have this and watching um Battle of the Planets uh, aka uh, Gatchaman um oh. you know and now it's funny. There are some things that we all watch that, like that, we watched when we was kids. Oh man, it's the greatest thing ever. And you go back and you watch it now, and you're like, ooh, yeah, that, <laughs> that did not age well. Yes, but like some yeah. some things you'll let slide because, like, you know what? No, this this puts me in a good place, so I'm going <laughs> to let it slide. Battle of the Planets is not one of those things. Like I tried to rewatch Battle of the Planets like two weeks ago, and like I'm like, why did Sandy Frank? Chop this up. Why do we have this American animation in the midst of this, anim- you know, anime animation? Who is, who? like, why do we have this, like, C3PO R2D2 robot, you know, narrating the story for us? We don't need that. We got the team. We got, the, you know, they, they know what to do. Why? And, it, and like, I couldn't do it.
1: Sometimes so it's hard like, to go back now that you have like a more critical eye. You look at stuff and you're like, who, how did this get made? This right, is trash. Right. Right. right.
2: Yeah. And I was just like, yo, just let me just go ahead and get this Mom box set out. <laughs> we just go watch Mom. We good. We good. Let's go. Um, And, you know, and, and, but like the whole thing of, in all sincerity for me, like a lot of it was like the, you know, the, the dubbed anime and. A lot of the uh, cartoons that had toy lines, Um, that stuff was like really big. And even the stuff that didn't have uh, toy lines, like Mighty Orbots, which only had one season. Um, Saturday morning cartoons, like all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Syndicated cartoons during the weekday, in the morning and in the afternoon. And also in the United States, there used to be something on USA Network called USA Cartoon Express. Oh, man. I still um, remember
1: the little jingle for the USA Cartoon Express. Yes. It it,
2: (laughs) It was the best because, like, it was it would come on, like, in the morning, but it'd also come on in the evening from, like, either 5 to 7 or from 6 to 7. And so, like, you know, one day you might be watching some Yogi Bear, Huckleberry Hound. Next day you might be watching The Roman Holidays. The next day you might be watching Dino Mutt. Like, and it was just always this constant, it was just, like, all these old cartoons, but, like, they were new to me. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, because like, because that's when I learned, oh, Hannah Barbera took the Flintstones template and just redid it like 15 times, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, Roman holidays. I was like, this is just the Flintstones in Greece. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, bro, bro. Mom, change the channel. Let's change the channel. Let's watch, let's watch Sam for the Sun. I don't want to watch this this evening, you know, or like, you know, or like they did the same with Scooby Doo, you know, so like you would have like Devlin. Clue Club, um, Funky Phantom, Captain Caveman. Like, everybody's solving mysteries, you you know? I'm like, Mm -hmm. there should be no crime because Hanna-Barbera made 30 cartoons of folks solving mysteries. (laughs) Like, Matlock didn't have anything on like all of the, on all of the Hanna-Barbera mystery series. So yeah, but like, that's the stuff that really got me into um, comics and pop culture. And the movies too, you know, like I was big Star Wars fans as a kid, still a big Star Wars fan now. Um, Star Wars Ghostbusters, anything science fiction based. Um, mm-hmm. you know, throw me, throw an animated movie in front of me as a child. Yes, I'm watching it, you know, no matter how bad it is. And I see i I saw some bad ones. Oh
1: <laughs> they were they were rife back then. I mean, they were just everywhere.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, if, if they can make a trading card, um, a coloring book, mm-hmm. um, a toy uh anything put on that screen okay that's fine we're done here yeah. all right let's go so yes but th- but those were some of the things yes well, that's I, pretty cool i was gonna say
0: that a lot of those animations that you referred to like i know um i can remember as a kid like captain caveman and stuff like that just like yeah i remember those i forget about them now as you move on but like uh yeah so, so a lot of those things i remember watching myself so um mm-hmm. it's just really interesting to hear um
1: yeah, we went back, got, got we watched the original Heatman uh, series again recently, the film, and th- the that film, was the film. Well, no, we watched the film, but we also watched a couple of episodes oh, of yeah, it. yeah the and it was yeah, kind yeah. of like, oh wow, uh, the only good thing I remember was at the very end of the episode they had those like special messages to like, hey kids, <laughs> so today we talked about this, and what this really means is, it's like, I don't remember messages at the cartoons after the cartoons were done when I was a kid. <laughs>
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You you always get the PS, PSAs because, like, see, here's the educational part of the show. Mm-hmm. This is this is how they get the government off their butt. So ah. it's like, oh, we were, we learned a lesson today. And that lesson is blah, blah, blah. Like, so they would do that at like with G.I. Joe cartoons, they would have PSAs. Uh, he Man would have PSAs. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but like it was just enough to get the government off your ass. Oh, you <laughs> uh, I didn't know that's
0: what that was about. Like, Me neither.
2: Oh, yeah, because see, it, it, well, because the thing is, you're also looking at they're also, you know, they're also parental groups that are like, OK, these are just 30 minute toy commercials. Mm-hmm. And so it's because like once those laws got lifted into where, yes, you could have a cartoon that literally is selling a toy because um, this period of time, like like a lot of the cartoons were terrible, like in the, like the 60s and 70s. There were a lot of really bad cartoons. And I'm not saying because they couldn't sell toys is the reason why they were so bad, but they were just bad. Um, but um, you know, like the '80s changed television, change it changed definitely changed animation, but um, but like in a lot, a lot of times you have parental groups saying, "Okay, this stuff is just violence for violence' sake and just selling toys." So a way to curb that is here's the PSA, and like with Filmation, Filmation, Filmation with He-Man and almost every cartoon that they made, you know, there's a lot of animation shortcuts. Now, granted, they were one of the few studios that was actually in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like a lot of animation studios, they would just send a majority of the work overseas back then. Um, but but if Filmation was all, like all their work, I think with the exception of the time they worked on Zorro, Zorro with the with the Toei company. Um, that was like, I think, the only time that they ever worked outside the United States. But um, but everything they did was in house in America. And so they would like do also do like a lot of shortcuts and they would reuse footage. They would, they they would reuse like animation cells. So if you go back and watch a lot of those He-Man episodes and you see He-Man doing like this, you start to see where the familiar motions are being reused over and over mm-hmm. again. You can see where they inverse a cell. So instead of He-Man punching to the right, he's punching to the left, but it's the same cell frames, mm-hmm. you know, like they did a lot of that stuff and they did a lot of shortcuts or they were or to waste, not to waste time, but to uh, fill time, when you would go to your next scene, you see like, okay, here's your background. And they would just basically take that background, take the camera and slow pan across the entire background. Cause that's going to burn 15 to 20 seconds. <laughs> 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 like you know, sometimes you, know, from- you
1: go back and you re- watch this stuff and you wonder why older stuff seems so much slower. But I guess that, that makes sense. Because it was probably cheaper to do that than to actually animate something.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I read, you know, you just said about the panning of the scene to to waste 15 seconds. I remember reading, uh, do you remember Prison Break, the TV series, Prison Break? Yes. Um, So, you know, this is this, they must do this in other shows too. But I remember the creators of Prison Break saying, you know how every episode starts with previously on prison break or previously on lost or previously on whatever it is you're watching um and that previously sometimes can be like 30 seconds or maybe two minutes or whatever it was and they said that in prison break if their the episode was running short they would that previously was a good way of filling time so if they had like not a lot of seat, like i don't know you say it was say they needed 43 minutes or whatever it was plus commercials and they only had 41 minutes of content mm. they knew that they then had to stick two minutes of previously at the front of the episode um that's so, cheating
1: it's uh, <laughs> cheating but, but, I,
0: uh, but i remember the creators actually admitting that they did that i remember reading an interview or somewhere like i you know i'm saying this with no actual evidence
1: of
2: this, but I,
0: <laughs> I, but I, but I but i do but i do remember reading it thinking I wish I hadn't have read that. Like, I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't
1: like, know that uh, you guys half asked this.
0: But <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes people should just not admit stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: uh, it's, all, it's not a bad thing to admit, but I sometimes don't want to see behind the curtain all the yes. time. So, yeah, exactly. It just like... takes
1: away some of that magic, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yes. It you is. know, but talking about the splitting of the scenes or splicing other scenes in, we also rewatched the pilot of Power Rangers and it so very clearly does that where they got the scenes with the American kids and then it's like all of the Rita Repulsa stuff is all spliced in from from the Japanese cartoon and it's just like who Um, thought that this was okay
2: (laughs) yeah well and then that was the whole thing plus like it was the pilot and like and with like a lot of a lot of Saban Saban productions back in the day, the pilot was always the worst, like the absolute worst. Like I love Power Rangers. I'm one of the biggest Power Rangers fans ever. And I remember I, I came into that series two weeks after it premiered.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: like it's so like the first like two or three weeks worth worth of episodes weren't the best. And so I I, I came in. I'm like, OK, you know i'm like this this isn't bad okay they're just mixing in you know the stuff from japan and well here's some american scenes okay this is where you you can tell where it splits up but i'm good with it because like that's the type of stuff that i like i love super sentai i've you know ever since i was a kid um because i had an uncle in the marines who would be overseas and sometimes he'd bring home tapes
1: Mm.
2: you know stuff like i had never seen before you know and like and, and so like Super Sentai was like one of those things. I was like, this is this is amazing. Like, how come we don't have this here? And then forward, like, you know, a decade plus later, here's power, you know, here's Power Rangers and our and but yeah, the pilot's rough, the the, the pilot's <laughs> yes. rough. And and so but like I was just so happy to see it that like, I you know, I was just like, yeah, I can let this slide. OK, yeah, this is the these, these are the American. These are the American scenes. OK, here's the actual uh, Japan footage. OK. And then, yes, you can you can pick it out. You can pick it out easily. You can chop that up with with like the easiness. But it was so fun to watch. I was like, yeah, I'll let all of this slide. I will let it all
1: slide. <laughs> That's the important part, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. this is I'm willing to give you this much time, and I'm willing to forgive this much, but I'm gonna keep going. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So a lot of your uh, a lot of the stuff that you do right, it's all kind of sports themed. So is that just sort of like your melding of your two passions together with your? Um,
2: Kind of, kind of like, the, like lately I've been writing a lot of sports stuff. Um, I've, I've been given like a lot of opportunities with a, a children's book company called Capstone. And, um, and they have like a bunch of uh, sports lines. They have a line called Jake Maddox and Jake Maddox. Those are prose novellas for kids. And, you know, they talk about things like teamwork, friendship, um, overcoming, overcoming obstacles and whatnot. And, um, and that was actually like, one, that was actually like the first paid gig um I ever got and that was just a few years ago and I've been doing this for 14 years and so uh it's so to get like my first ever paid paid work for like a full book um I did I wrote a baseball book for them called uh, Diamond Double Play and and like I was so happy and I was like well you know hey I got to write a book for them well that was cool I don't know if this will ever happen again but you know what we wrote this one book okay and it was so different from comics And I was like, well, you know, it was fun. And then three weeks later, they wrote me like an editor wrote me back. They're like, hey, you want to do some other stuff with us? And I was like, sure. You know, and so and so then that led to other Jake Maddox books and then that led to Sports Illustrated for kids. And then that led to children's books for the kids sports stories line. Mm -hmm. Um, And and but then it also then later led to me writing a graphic novel about the Nat Turner Rebellion. And then it led me to, oh, hey, we got like our own, like Capstone has like their own Goosebumps style line called mm-hmm. uh, Scary Graphics. So they're like, you know, graphic novels, but they're scary stories. And they're like, would you like to write one? And I was like, yes. And they're like, you do one about BMX racing? I'm like, well, sports again. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it to me, bring it to me. You know, I'll take it. Um, Because like, I just, I never thought I'd be doing stuff like that. Yeah. And so, but like, I was tabling at a show, um, my local show, uh, Lexington Comic and Toy Con, and I had all these books out. And my fiance was uh, helping me set up the table, and she was like, uh, "Sean, you got a lot of sports stuff." <laughs> and, and I looked, and I was just like, "Yeah, I do, don't I? you know? I, 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 I do." And and like, and the thing is, is that um, I feel because like, I, I, there's so much, so much stuff I want to write, and then and and I'm getting to that. I just I've always felt that like sports as like a genre in comics, graphic novels, novellas and whatnot, or novels for that matter. It's something that hasn't been I don't want to say touch, but we don't we don't we don't use it. You know, know, we we don't use it because like a lot of people think it just it just won't sell.
1: Yeah, there is a ton of sports anime, though, and sports anime usually comes from manga. So if they're doing it over in Japan, I don't know why it's not picking up here.
2: Exactly, exactly. And so there's a market for it. You mm-hmm. just have to like, you just have to make it available. And yep. so and so like doing all this stuff with Capstone has given me the ability to do that. And not only that, but those books hit school libraries and public libraries. And, and I've done like virtual class visits with, um, with you know, with school kids grades, uh, you know, uh, grades one through uh, one through eight. Um, which has been fantastic. And, um, and the thing about kids, when you talk to these kids, kids have no filter when it comes to asking questions. <laughs> None. They will ask whatever they want to ask. And like, it keeps you on your toes. Um, I had talked to um, a batch of incoming sixth graders um, at a school not too far, not too far from here. And um, I got done with, with my presentation and we did a couple activities. And I was like, okay, anybody have any questions? A student raised his hand. And He was like, "Yeah, what's your net worth?" What? <laughs> 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 Wait, was this uh, a finance lecture? What? No, that's
0: a joke. No, what, that, no, that, what was the age? what was the age? Of so it's age? like twelve, yeah, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah probably, they're probably uh, like around okay. 12, twelve years old. Yes, I'm impressed. Do you know what though? Like, I mean,
0: nosiness aside, I'm impressed by the question. Like. <laughs> Like, that a 12-year-old would know or even think of what net worth
2: is. Yeah, so. but, yeah but see, but that comes from, like, <laughs> this is the TikTok YouTube generation. Mm-hmm.
1: Where everybody where you, has their 15 minutes.
2: Yep, everybody's yeah, got yeah. their 15 minutes. And also, a, there are a decent number of people that are actually being able to monetize, you know, their videos and make money. Mm-hmm. And so kids see that, you know, like kids, you know, kids see like the unboxing videos and how there are popular people that, you know, very popular people that have built a career just from opening things and making money. And they see that. And so now they can be like, oh, hey, what, how much does this career pay? How much does this career pay? And so, but when he asked me that, I was like, excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and so, (laughs) You know, I was like, well, I'm still new in the writing world, even though I've been doing this for a very long time. But I will say that this year has been good. Um, I I was like, it's not great, but I was like, it's been good. And I still have a full time job. It doesn't mean that you it doesn't mean that you can't write, you know, as a career and that be your only career. I was like, I'm a few years away from that. But right now I'm doing okay. Uh, You know, I'm not about uh, to bust out no W2s and show you and sit down uh, and go through this stuff with you, man. Mm-mm, no I ain't got time for that you know like look I, you know, look, I owe taxes like I, I ain't got time <laughs> but um but like I, I do like writing sports stuff but like I'll, you know but I still like the desire to write science fiction is still there the desire to write drama is still there and like those are things that I'm planning to get to very soon Um, my very first book deal I got my very first book deal this year Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a graphic novel that I'm working on with artist Courtney Hahn, who I've known for over a decade, and, and they're immensely talented. And we're doing, we're doing a basketball graphic novel called um, Fast Break, and it's for, it's for middle readers, and it's about a co-ed basketball league. And, and it's, it's going to be a blast. It's an absolute blast. And once again, it's sports themed, mm-hmm. but it's something nobody else is doing around here. Yeah. And um, and I think it's going I think it's going to be something that, that, that can be very special.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I remember when you first posted about getting that that book deal. So that's a that's a big congratulations again on getting that one thank, in thank the pipeline. So
2: yes. Thank you. Thank you. I still got well, as of as of this recording, I still got to finish that manuscript. So <laughs> <laughs> I better get a move on with that. So, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um you recently wrote uh, an rpg for the band uh, angels and airways I'd just love to hear more about that as well
2: oh yeah 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 um so what happened was um there was a company here in lexington called mediocre creative and a friend that's uh, not me- a
1: very inspiring title oh, no, for a company no.
2: <laughs> and i don't know it, it's like so when they said that, i was like your name is what what now <laughs> Uh, but um, I, I'm not sure about that name. <laughs> <I> mean, <so. laughs> you know, but see, but it, 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 but it, but it perks people's ears. Yes. Like, huh? Uh-huh. you know, so like it does kind of work. But, <laughs> you know? but um, a mutual friend um reached out to them and then reached out to me and said, well, you know, there's this uh company they're looking for right, they're looking for a writer right now and uh for a project. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll take a phone call. It's no problem. So. Um, I, I talked, um, with a gentleman who's for mediocre creative, whose name is also Sean. And he said, well, we work with another company and we make games. And what we do is we create a story. And after we create that story, we figure out, okay, how do we turn this into a game? And like, you know, so then we'll have a, we'll have a box and it'll be full of like, you know, trinkets and like fake newspaper articles, magazine clipping, you know, newspaper clippings, magazine stuff. And you know, like links to websites and all this other stuff, and um, so it's like a little game in the box. And I was like, "Well, that's really cool." And they were like, "How would you feel about writing a, you know, writing a story um, about aliens and stuff, and like you know, and um, and you know, extraterrestrials and and people being kidnapped and all this other stuff, and I, or abducted?" And I was like, "Oh, some X Files stuff, really? I, I get to write, I get to write an X Files style story?" Like, yeah, 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 and. And this is before they, they, they could tell me who, who, you know, who the band was. This is before they could tell me it was Angels and Airwaves. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm more than interested. And so a couple of weeks later, uh, they called me back and they were just like, yeah, um, you know, name your price. Um, we need 10,000 words. Um, it's for Angels and Airwaves. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is, for, this, is, this is for Angels and Airwaves. Like, a, like, a, like, like a real, the band a, band? Yeah. A band, band, like a, a real ass band band <laughs> they're like yeah they were like here are their concepts like they literally had a Dropbox full of concepts and i was like they're like use these concepts to build this story and i was just like oh this this is real now oh 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 okay let's go you know and so yeah. um, and so I, I wrote the story And then from there, you know, like they would come and they would come back after we did the first draft, they would come back, say, "Hey, can you make a couple of changes, made those changes. And then after that, they, you know, they took that story and I said, just do whatever you want to do with it and to build that game. And the game came out a couple of weeks ago and they sent me a box. They sent me like a box of them. And um, did you do an unboxing uh, no, no, I didn't do an unboxing. No, no, I I did not do an unboxing, but um, no, on TikTok. No, not on TikTok, not, not on not on the Instagram, no Instagram story, no Snapchats, not yet, but um, but like it's awesome. Like all these like you have a box full of clues, and you're trying to figure out like you know, um, you're trying to figure out this mystery. And um, and like in and angels and airwaves even announced it during a concert um in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was just like, wow. Like, you know, they they actually announced this game. And so, so, so like that, then that, that's something I've never done before. I've never like written anything for a game company before. And, um, and like it was a fantastic experience. And I, and I hope to get, I hope, I hope to be able to do something like that again.
1: That's awesome. I,
0: I, I, that is awesome. Like, I, like, it's, I love that. I love seeing your reaction to it all as well. Like, you know, like angels and airwaves, like really, like, for real, like, you know, right. and, um, uh, I can imagine, though, like, um, you know I'm not a writer like yourself but like I can imagine though like the level you know because you said you know earlier like your levels of success you know like full-time writer I'm aware you know several separate zones you know and we know that getting into any industry writing like if I'm a creative type is is difficult the, the, yes. there's entry level there's different level there's different entry levels based on you know we know that there's nepotism for instance you know gets you in a little bit higher you know if you're Steven Spielberg's son you're probably gonna go in a little bit higher but obviously when you've got <laughs> when you don't have that necessary I, I don't know if he even has a stuff I was just grabbing a name uh, um but like but you know different I mean we know Clint Eastwood's done
1: got a whole bunch of stuff that he might not have earned but that's a whole different story
0: but but yeah so but there's different levels of entry but it's just like really cool like I love seeing your excitement there like Angels and Airways are like for real like you know and that <laughs> but that must be like just so gratifying as a creator to be like okay like this is another for me another stepping stone in in building my career and my portfolio and stuff yes. like that like so just yeah congrats to you is what i'm saying like you know thank you um before i move on from that question though like i actually piqued my interest on your the fact that you knew who they were like your music interests like what do you mm-hmm. listen to
2: i'll listen a little bit of everything um i listen to um i'm still like a big fan of like 80s and 90s r&b like because that's what i grew up with but like you know um i still listen to, like stuff like i actually um a couple of weeks ago, my fiance and I, we went to there's a like a folk band called Camp, C-A-A-M-P. Um, okay. My fiance loves them and uh, they were on tour and they're like, listen, the only way you get in is if you're vaccinated. So bring your So If you ain't vaccinated, you ain't coming up in here. and You better wear a mask, too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, we can go. Yes. And so it's uh, <laughs> so uh, and so we went and like I've you know, I've listened to a few of their albums, you know, with my fiance and whatnot. And I was like, oh, this is OK. This is not bad. But listening to them live, completely different experience. Like, mm-hmm. so much more, like so much more energy. You could feel it. And I was like, man, I was like, okay, this they're better than I, than I than I than I thought they were. Um, but like, uh, like as far as like rock goes, like there's Clutch. Um, I just got into them like a couple years ago. Once again, thanks to my fiance. Um, and like I also still listen to like a lot of old school jazz, like John Col- Coltrane, Miles Davis, um, even stuff like uh, Herb Alpert. Um, as a kid in the eighties, like Herb Alpert was that dude. And, um, and like, and for, and like, for me, like, he's like one of those legends, um, because like, he also was able to cross over into R and B, but it, it, it didn't feel forced. So like, um, so there's that in Herbie Hancock, um, Let's see, because like, like, I'm like I'm listening to like a lot of old cats, but like um, as a matter of fact, I have my phone right here because now I can pull pull up. <laughs> Who else have I been listening to lately? Let's see here. Give me one moment.
1: While you're Let's looking go. for that, um, I know you watch anime because you recommended a couple to me. But have you ever seen an anime called Kids on the Slope?
2: No, I haven't. Is that any good?
1: It is about these teenagers in late 50s, early 60s Japan, but they are musicians and they are obsessed with American jazz. Oh, it is yeah. a fantastic anime and the music is so great. The music is all done by like, at the time it was young up and coming Japanese artists, but yes. they are obsessed with Coltrane. Coltrane is their favorite person. And it, it happens right around the time when John Coltrane dies. Mm, and yes. when they find out that John Coltrane died, those kids are completely devastated. But it's a really sweet story. Uh, but And it has fantastic music. So if you, if you are into that kind of stuff, I would definitely check out Kids on the Slope.
2: Definitely. I would definitely do that. Okay. I got, I got some more for you. Okay. So Tyler, Tyler, the creators call me if you get lost album. I really like that. That's been really good. Uh, Nas dropped in Nas dropped a new album. And I haven't listened to Nas in probably like a decade, but mm. like he dropped an album called King's disease Two. listen to that. that. That was pretty good. Um, I've also listened to Foo Fighters dropped their, um, their BG's album, the <laughs> DGs, uh, Hail Satin. <laughs> um and so like the first half like they're they're covering like bg songs wow and, I know that. it's it's fantastic it's so good it is so good and then the second half is just you know foo fighters album and it's like it's really really good like like because dave grohl is doing that is doing the um oh what's what's his name from the bgs the lead from the bg barry, um, barry he's doing that barry gibb <laughs> he's doing that barry gibb voice and and it's and it's really really good and um Mackenzie Thomas, I listened to, and also listened to like DMX's last album Exodus um, and um, and like just been listening to like a lot of Missy Elliott because um, I love Missy and like um, I, I just I just appreciate what she's done for music as a whole. So it's a pretty eclectic mix. Um, it's, it's, it is. It's it is. an eclectic. It's an eclectic mix. And uh, I, but there's even more. But like I don't we could sit here for three hours while I just let <on>. When, when you come to the UK and I buy you that beer, you can tell you can spend three <laughs> hours like,
0: talking about our music. and just, yeah. uh, Don't get me started. I used, you know, I used to be, before COVID, I used to be a big live music fan. I'd mm-hmm. go like, fairly regularly and i um, kind of looking forward to just getting back out again, probably more next year now.
1: But, yeah. um,
0: <laughs> well, so like sort of a uh, segueing across actually into comics, but more now how did you get into the industry and how did you decide you went to write for a living?
2: Okay. Um, Okay. So in 2007, uh, I started to like, write, learn how to write and create comics. Um, You know, just like, as I was part of, um, used to be a forum board. used to be, there's this podcast still exists. It's called comic geek speak. It's been around. yeah, Yeah. I know. Yeah. And way back when, way, way, way back when they used to have a forum board and that's where, you know, everybody could just talk and chat or whatever, but like, That's where like a lot of a lot of the lot of the people in comics, a lot of friends I made over the years, like I met them there in that forum board. And so, um, you know, I learned how to make comics through that forum board. I learned how to find artists through that forum board. And um, and so like I made like a buddy cop comedy comic like in 2007. And I did that for like a couple of years. And then I said, you know what? I want to do my own version of G.I. Joe. So I did like I did my my take on G.I. Joe, but it was more fun, you know, super kitty, super fun. Did that for a few years. And like, I just learned how to make comics the hard way and burned a lot of money. And <laughs> I wish I wish I could go back and be like, Sean, don't do it this way. There's better ways to do it. Don't do it this way, you know, but um, yeah, I wrote I did comics independently for like about two and a half, three years. And then from there, I had we had a, a group of friends who we were all doing our thing independently but we felt that like our careers are just kind of like stalling a little bit we're getting stagnant and so we said okay well what should we do about that and so um so one of our friends David was like well maybe we should form a comic publisher and you know we can find talent and publish books and uh get them through you know get them through diamond distribution and see what happens and i said okay all right all right that's sounds good all right let's put it together and so um, it was like me, Sean Gabarin, Dave DeWanch, um, Chad Coney and a couple other people and we formed and we formed Action Lab Entertainment and I s- had two stints with that company one first stint from like late 2009 to about 2014 and then a second stint from 2017 to February 1st 2020. Uh, s- uh, served a lot of roles for the company, um, including president, vice president, director of Digital Development, um uh, liaison diamond liaison um you name it i did it the only thing i didn't do was build books and send them to the printer and build ad and build advertisements <laughs> um but like i in doing that i kind of put my creative career to the side i because i was just like well if i have to do all this i can't do all this plus have a full-time job plus try to write at the same time plus all the other responsibilities I had at that time. So I just said, you know what? I, you know, Let's just put our creative career to the side and we're going to show everybody what, what we can do as an executive and that will show these other publishers what I'm made of and maybe, possibly, that gives me a shot over there. And none of that happened. Like <laughs> None of that happened. If anything, I felt I became more invisible the harder I worked, which was just it was it was so strange,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um. And so like, as m- thankful as I am that I learned a lot about the comic book business in my two stints there, um. At the same time, like, I I wish the business was better, um. You know, because it's also during a period of time where like. I was trying to. T- I tried to explain this to like a friend of mine a few weeks ago. My first, my first in at Action Lab when I was president for like a couple of years. Like I was the only black executive in comics. Period. The only one. Mm-hmm. And and so when you're trying to when you are going to these conventions and you're trying to talk to other publishers, other professionals you know, that are also executives or presidents or directors or editors and whatnot, they're all looking like a lot of them would look at me as if I came from like Neptune, you know, cause I don't look like them. I'm younger than them and like, I'm eager and I'm ready to go, but I don't fit their narrative. And so, um, <laughs> You know, trying to approach a lot of these folks like the feedback that I would get that I would get was n- never really the most pleasant. Now, I, I have met a lot of wonderful comics professionals mm. that I, you know, that I, you know, and creators that I do call friends and they really helped me make it through those storms because there are many times I'm like, why am I here? Let's just quit. Let's just walk away from all of this. We don't need to do this anymore this is all a waste of time. It's just stressful. It's doing nothing for you except wearing you down and wearing down your soul. Why we just quit? But, you know, I've made a lot of wonderful friends, you know, from this that just like taught me, it's like, look, you can do better. It's going to be OK. You're going to find your path and you'll make it through. And in a lot of ways, they were right. The issue that I faced was, was that like the way the comics industry works is that they will tell you Comics is the only thing that you should be doing. And if you're doing anything else, you're doing it wrong. And that's a lie. That is an absolute lie. I have the way I, the way I do things now by doing work for hire for a company like Capstone to now having a literary agent, which then opened up a door for, for me and Courtney to get a book deal for a graphic novel with a book company that has a graphic novel line. That opened up another door. Uh, to writing game like to writing for game companies to do stuff with some with, a, with like a band like angels and airwaves which is really major um to like just all types of things like opening opening up myself to like all these other venues changed everything for me and it doesn't mean that like it doesn't mean I wasn't dedicated to comics I was dedicated to comics from like two, two 2007 to 2020 mm-hmm. But, but like, once I started to slowly start chipping at the wall around late 2018, that's when I started to, that's when I started to learn. It's like, no, you can do whatever you want. Comics is always going to be here and you can still make them. And I do, you know? And so, um, you know, I still do, I, I do Kickstarters and, and, you know, and I'm trying to find a home for ignition and, um, and whatnot. And so, and, you know, now like I'm at this point to where, yes, I can pitch projects, for the book publishers that are looking for graphic novels and also looking for like YA pros and children's books. But I can also now, there are a few comic book publishers, which I do trust, and I'm like, okay, hey, I can go pitch there and go pitch stuff that I feel works better in the comic book market as well and in the trade market. So opening up and diversifying my palette is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And I wish, once again, it's the other thing. If I could go back in time and just tell myself that, you know, yeah, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at right now. I'm blessed, but um, it's a lesson well learned, and and I try to sh- to tell people, everyone I know that. So for those that are in that creative field, I you know I want them to know at an earlier age so they don't feel railroaded and blocked.
1: Mm-hmm. So with when you left Action Lab versus the kind of the way that things are set up now with Action Lab, how different is that vision from when you started it to when you left the final time in 2020?
2: Um, from when I started, like from when I started, from, from where, where it ended, is, is, it's like night and day and there's no shade to whoever's left there. There's no shade you know, whatsoever. It's like it was one of those things where there were things that I could do. But even I only had so much power, you know what I mean? And um, and so. And so, like, I just had like, but the thing is, like, I'm always eager. I'm always ready to make change. I'm always try to like, do the best and help everyone in a lot of ways. I mean, I tried, I tried, you know. And and sometimes I was able to convince the higher ups, hey, we need to take a chance on this book. We need to take a chance on this we need to do something different so why don't we try to publish this and you know and so like there were times that I was listened to but there were other times where my you know my word was overridden and and with all due respect is because I did not have that power and and that's what it is what it is what it is i i know that a lot of folks are going through it with them right now i've seen it I, you know i've i've seen i've seen the links i've seen the newspaper clip i mean the newspaper i'm showing my age i've seen the <laughs> web clips and uh and you know I've seen, I've seen like the websites and the news articles and, and whatnot and like i hope that you know that the creators are able to be able to get what they need and everybody can you know can amble amble. I can never say amicable. See, I just said it, even though I I hope everybody's able to work out what they need to get worked out. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, I just know during my time there, I sincerely tried to do my best to help as, as many people as I could, even during the days where that job was so thankless. um, I still wanted to make sure everybody got their best. And yes, sometimes I failed. you know, and whether and sometimes it was my fault, sometimes it was a lot of times it wasn't. But um, but I really I really tried, and we really tried, all of us, you know, myself, Dave, Sean, Sean Gabriel, you know uh, Nicole DeAndrea, Danielle Davison, um, you know uh, Jason Martin, you know all those cats. Like we tried, and um, I just I just hope you know I hope all the best for everybody that's dealing with what they're dealing with right now. I I wish them all the best. I do. But like it's I did my two stints and um, and I was ready to move on. And I think in the day and like I was telling like I was telling uh, somebody on another podcast like a couple of months ago. It was to a point in January 2020. This is before the pandemic, before, the, before we knew what the pandemic was, when we were just like, you know, people getting sick, <laughs> they dying. <laughs> and like and everybody's just like, what is going on here? Uh-huh. Um, I remember I came home from work. I came home from work um, my nine to five and I got went to my office and I was like, that's where I got to answer a couple of action lab emails. And then after that, I'll go upstairs. I'll walk the dogs and cook dinner and then I'll get back down here and work on action lab stuff. And I remember I sat down in my chair, this chair right now that I'm sitting in and I hit, I tapped my keyboard to access my email and I blacked out. I woke up many hours later. It was nighttime. I didn't know what the hell happened. And I was just like, yeah that's a sign I was like that's a sign I was like I think it's time to walk away
1: yikes Um, that's a scary that's scary
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it is and so I was like yeah it's time and I just told him I was like look I'm I'm gone February 1st 2020 I wish y'all the best I do I can't do this anymore
1: not if it's gonna sit there and make you pass out every time you (laughs) think about responding to some emails that's (laughs) yeah yeah
2: yeah so i
1: actually yeah. found your work through action lab because i uh one of the books that you guys had was princeless mm-hmm. uh and i really liked princeless and then i uh through the booth that action lab had at new york comic-con i think it was 2014 when i went yeah. i i found molly danger and then i found um and then uh i think it was either jamal eagle or uh jeremy had recommended your books too so that's that's how I found out about all of you guys
2: <laughs> yes 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 indeed so yeah like there's a bunch of people there were a bunch of people we really tried to to do something there and uh, you know we had some successes and you know but um you know it's just like I said it's just time to move on and and moving forward has honestly been ever since then, it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me um mm-hmm. like the opportunities that have been put in front of me ever since then are amazing and um and I'm, I'm i'm happy like i i just uh finished a show the other day there's a, a book festival here in kentucky uh, the kentucky book festival and like um and it was held um at joseph beth booksellers and it's the first time they ever had it like at an actual bookstore And this bookstore is really big it's, it's 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 very large um you know multiple floors um that also have like a little venue outside as well and so um so you have like, you know, hundreds of authors, you know, but a lot of Kentucky authors, but you also have like a lot of national authors as well from across the country. And so, um, you know, your table, you know, with like, with another author, like right by you and you got your books and they have their books and, um, and, you know, and there's just people coming up and they're like, Hey, I w- want a copy of this. Will you sign it for me? And you just, you know, make it out to whoever you sign it and you talk about the book, and, you know, whatever boop, there you go. And, and like, I would never signed that many books before, ever, you know, and like, and to see like, like, you know, kids eyes light up when they see like, oh, look, cool. It's a book about soccer and or like, you know, or hey, this is, you know, a, a scary story. How scary is it? You know, it's not too scary you know? <laughs> and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and you know, and they ask you about your other projects and stuff. And then uh, later on that day, I was on the panel uh, to talk about the Nat Turner Rebellion graphic novel. And that panel was led by a professor um, who wrote a book about the Nat Turner Rebellion, but it oh, was wow. about the, it, was, it was about the black women who helped build that rebellion in Southampton, oh, wow. Virginia. That's so, cool. So now you have like two different like perspectives of, of the Nat Turner Rebellion. Like now, granted, with mine, I'm writing a graphic novel where I have like about 30-something pages. To break down one of the most like graphic moments in United States history to eight to eleven year olds, yeah, <laughs> that know? ain't easy. No, no, it's not. So uh, you know, we got we got to talk about that for like an hour, and um, and it was so cool, and it was so cool. So, you know, I like I like where things are going now. I do, and I, I and I feel very good about my future. I do.
0: I, awesome. I was gonna say I was gonna say thanks for sharing that story of Action Labs, and I wanted to say like. How important it was that you recognised when that that computer incident, like um, people experience those things in different manners, like you know, almost like trying to think of the words, like you know, kind of almost like an epiphany, where whether it's blacking out or whether it's just a realization, because sometimes people get stuck in something, and the hole is so big like it's so difficult to come out of because some you know a lot of it's like just so busy like you spend so much time being you know in speech arts busy and you're too busy to get out of the hole. Like so yes. I just was gonna say like um I think that was important that you recognize that like and and people don't really do enough for their mental health. And um so I just was I think that's good that you sort of mentioned that we don't talk about mental health too much on this podcast we know, we, 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 we we get we do get serious Like yeah. we, also, we, we also have a laugh but like oh, yeah. um, um I, I you know I didn't black out but I did recognize something myself in my nine to five that I changed in the last six weeks yeah. because I felt like I was in a, a busy hole and mm-hmm. about six weeks ago I changed basically the role I was doing so I just could see like that and other people listening will probably feel like the same like oh I'm in a hole so if you are you know hear Sean's story is what I'm saying. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. I think that's oh. an important thing to share. You're Gotta
1: welcome. listen to your body because sometimes if you don't listen to your body or you ignored for too long, your body is finally going to take control and be like, look oh, yeah. man I've been trying to tell you.
2: Oh yeah. And, and yeah, when yeah. it does, oh mm-hmm. it's gonna get you too you know like yeah. shoot like I went I went to the gym today for like the first time in a long time. Um you know, because I need to do that. You, you know, like that's the that's the thing. You know, mental health, mental health and physical health are very important. Like then, especially mental. Lord, like, whoo, I'm I'm I can't lie. Like, 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 okay, here's a perfect example. Like, I go to therapy. Okay, like, and the thing is, is that like, because I'm able to afford it because of my nine to five. Because that that gives me health care. Because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of people have like. Oh, you're writing all these books. That's incredible. That's awesome. When is that going to be your full time job? When are you going to leave your job? And I'm like, not for a long. Listen, time, it's hard buddy. to leave
1: benefits. People don't understand that. It is hard they to leave benefits.
2: They don't understand that. And I'm just like, look, I can't leave this job yet. And I was like, this job has health care. has got good health care. Okay. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I'm going to write after work. Okay. I'm going to write on my lunch break sometimes. But I was like, but. but <laughs> But like, you know, but like, no, like your mental health is important. And like, you know, therapy has been a blessing for me. You know, I, I've been able to learn a lot about myself over like these last few years, you know, and um, and so no, like taking care of yourself is important. And mm-hmm. and like with the amount of workload that I've had since the pandemic started, um, you know, like so I was talking like my fiance was talking to me the other day and she was just like, well, you know, you got to start exercising again. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So let's get back on it. And We went to the gym today, and Lord knows I did not want to be there. <laughs> I, did not. I saw that I saw that stair machine, and I was just like, "Well, it's been a while." So, uh, how about my
1: apologies a- in advance to my quads. <laughs> Yo, yeah, oh my
2: quads—they still screaming, still. Whew. man, they still screaming, hollering, mad at me, angry. So, uh, so yeah, no, but you're right you're right your mental health and your well-being mean a lot you got to take care of them because if you don't who's going to take care of them for you
1: right yeah. you can't write any books if you're dead
0: exactly um as i say while we've been talking you've mentioned a couple of times about the question I to ask you about like you know about literary agent and stepping away um so like from comics so not stepping away from comics but you've basically uh started to make a transition um uh sorry, hold on a minute. Let me basically from comics into books. That's what I'm trying to try to struggling to get my words out there. <laughs> um, so I just kind of wanted to know what it's been like to move away um into or not move away from comics, but move mm-hmm. it into books.
2: Oh, yeah. Like um it had been so long since I had written prose. Like I hadn't written prose since college. Yeah. And so for me, it was a thing of uh when I wrote that first uh, Jake Maddox book, the baseball book, uh, for them, Diamond Double Play. I was like, OK, they're going to let me they're going to let me write this book. OK, it's for this grade level. Uh, OK. Uh, oh, shit. OK, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, and like, so, like, <laughs> so, so I was like, OK, well, we got to we got to we got we to gotta look at how how this is done. So I'd actually I bought another Jake Maddox baseball book because they'll have like multiple baseball, football, basketball books and whatnot. And I had bought a, one of the baseball books and I just started to read it. And I was like, OK, these are how they construct their sentences. These are this is how they construct their chapters. OK, there are X amount of chapters, X amount of words per chapter. OK, you got 5000 words. So we're looking at about maybe eight or nine chapters tops. Um, you know, make sure like when, you know, when you're doing this, your word level has to stay at a certain point because remember your audience mm-hmm. and see that was and that was the thing that like I had to I had to learn, just like with comics, I had to learn when I'm doing a comic. Who's my audience? You know, yes, I'm I'm doing this for me because I want to share the story with the world. But like if somebody asks, well, who's the audience for this?
1: Yeah, but yeah, Cash and Carrie can't have like Matlock dialogue.
2: Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It can't be Perry Mason. up Yes. There, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you know, so um, and so like I said, OK, that, OK, know your audience. So I was like, you got to know your audience. So mm-hmm. so, I, you know, I, I read the book like from like beginning to end, like three straight times. And I was like, OK, I can do this and then i just started writing the story and so i saw out, and then I, like i sent it out to the editor and the editor came back and he's like okay we needed to like bring some of these words down a bit you know we have to bring them down like these words are too large the kids won't understand these so let's let's bring it down and fix just fix a couple of things here and you're good tweak the ending a little bit and, you're good. and i was like oh okay cool so i was like that was that wasn't so bad and so it was, just, it was just learning how to function on that level. Doesn't mean that like, it's like I'm going, you know, I, it's beneath me because it's not. It's just learning that level. Just like when I, uh, when I was writing uh, kids, uh, the children's storybooks for their kids' sports stories line. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay. Now the sentences have to be shorter. The words have to be smaller. We got to get to the point. We got 500 words to do this in. We got to tell this story, which technically has like three or four chapters. We got five hundred words, so you got to be quick, concise, to the point. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that took me a while to learn too. And um, and and then, um, like earlier this year, um, Capstone offered me a um, what they call a high a low reader series. And what they mean by that is is that these are the types of books where. It's kids of all ages. You're trying to get them to enjoy reading, so like you know, it's once again it's short sentences. You're not using the most eloquent, largest words on the t- table, but it just helps them to quickly learn and quickly read, and it also has spot illustrations. And so uh, they were like, "Well, we want to do a superhero series, and um, and like you know, but it has to involve a uh, gaming." And I was like, "Oh, okay. So you mean like?" So I was like, "You mean like a superhero, like a teen, like a teenage superhero that, like, um, you know, he has like some type of special power, and like he fights uh, villains, like in the video game universe and on Earth." And they were like, "Yeah, that'd be great." And so that's how like the gamer came to be. And then, like in those series of books, like I wrote four of those, um, and they're illustrated by Francesca Ficarelli. Those come out in January, and once again, it was a thing of. You're going to have multiple chapters, but you got 500 words. Get to the point. Don't over elaborate. And and like you and then this is where I learned a thing called ATOS, A-T-O-S. It's like a reading level uh, type um, a reading level, a reading meter. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, OK, for this series, the ATOS level can't go above 3.0. If it goes above 3.0, you got to bring it down. And so they're like, here's a website. Take your text file drop it in that website. It will analyze the text and then tell you what your score is. So oh, I remember the first, that's really book, cool. First book, yeah. It's awesome. Like I was just like, I didn't even know this thing existed. Apparently it's been around forever. <laughs> I had no idea. And so when I wrote my first gamer book, I was like, well, I just finished it. Let me go test. Let me go run it through the ATOS system. ATOS was like 4.5. Do it again. <laughs> 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 and I was like, oh, I was like, okay, all right. All right. Okay. So now I'm, but does, it, do
0: was it, it, I'm does it does it does Does it point out like where you've gone wrong though? Like, does it oh, point no. out? Oh, no. Oh, oh okay. No, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, it,
2: it's, it's like, no, you're going to figure it out yourself. Yeah. Then you're going to come <laughs> back and we'll try this again. <laughs> so uh <laughs> So now I'm going through the text. And I'm just like, ah, okay. That word's too big. Let's, let's use a different wor- word instead of that. Okay. The sentence structure is too long here. Let's chop this up. Okay. And so now I'm learning and I, and I go back and it's like, okay, it's a 3.1 and I'm like, all right, I can go send that to the editor because the editor will have 3.1 slide, yeah. you know? So, and then like they do their edits, they run it through the system, they bring it back to me. They say, make these changes and boom, it's done. And I'm actually doing a second series of gamer books. Um, with Capstone and, and Francesca Ficarilli and, um, and about a shoot as of this recording by the time this recording actually makes the airwaves I should have finished the second set of books for that too um but they're a lot of fun and like um it's really cool because like it was m- my way of being able to do a super sentai slash metal heroes uh style superhero and it's a thirteen-year-old black kid by the name of Tyler mm-hmm. uh, who has like this like wrist device, and he'll say like "Gamer Transform," and like he turns and like he's got this really cool outfit that has the aesthetics of a Nintendo Switch. It's got those Nintendo Switch colors, so you got that red, oh, the wow. black, the black lining, and you are know, a little bit of blue and stuff like that. And he's got like a power sword, and he's got a cool car, and you just it's it's just a lot of fun. It's just fun stories, and um, it also sounds like you're can't...
1: having fun with them.
2: Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, I am. And, and plus, Francesca's artwork is so cool. It, it, is, it is so cool. And, um, and to be able to do something like that has been a blast. And the fact that they're letting me do a second wave of them is, is even better. So um, I can't wait for people to see them. It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: That's really cool. So since you're talking about fast cars and fun things, this is uh, one of my copies of Ignition uh so you do have a kickstarter ignition number three which is going to be like your final entry for Mm -hmm. the ignition series so give us all of the details on what you got going on with the ignition kickstarter
2: okay here's the do okay if you go to um go to kickstarter you can go type ignition in the search header or i believe if you go to ignitioncomic.com, it'll shoot you straight to the kickstarter and uh, this is for the third issue of the miniseries. This is the final issue. It's 56 pages. It, this is the end. Um, we're going to find out whether a uh, former race car, uh, disgruntled and former race car driver, Jamel Reed is going to be able to transport Spencer, uh, a gentleman by the name of Spencer Avery and his mysterious cargo to Las Vegas um, before time is up. Um, and right now they're being chased by bad guys and, um, you're going to find, you know, you still need to find out where Spencer Avery comes from and what's so important about this package uh, that he's carrying. And um, it's going to be an action packed blast. And um, it's being able to work with Kelly Guillory, Jenna Lynn Wright, and now uh, Christina Pogue, who is the is the colorist for issue three. Uh, she's assisting on colors. Um, it's it's just been so awesome because I've never done anything like this before. Like the whole thing about ignition was one of the reasons why ignition was made. This was during a period of time where um, there used to be a, when she was on ESPN, uh, Jamel Hill. Mm-hmm. When Jamel Hill was on ESPN, you know, and they they wrongfully ran her out.
1: Yep, they did it and dirty.
2: They did her dirty, and ESPN was on this really strange shift at the time. Personally, they're still on a strange shift, but that's that's whole another story for another time. Anyway, but like when they ran her out. Like I was just thinking about, well, how about if we take that that story, you know, that what's going on with that? Can we turn that into something else? So I said, well, you know what? Let's 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 use racing. Let's use racing. I was like Sean, what are the things that you enjoy? Oh, I like racing. Do I watch it a lot? No, but I still like it. I like Fast and Furious movies. And I also <laughs> like the, and I also like the transporter. So I was like. Why don't, we make, why don't we take that and mesh that all together and let's make something wild. I was like, okay, cool, bet. So I got with Jenna Wright and I was, was like, let's make this story together. And so you have a race car driver by the name of Jamel Reed and Jamel Reed um, wins like the biggest race of her career. And in the biggest moment, moment of her life, at, right at that moment, mm-hmm. the biggest moment of her life, once she receives that trophy, Everything falls apart.
1: Yep. She Which is lo- my favorite scene in this entire series so far, <laughs> by the way. It really is.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And um, you know, so she loses, she's she gets kicked out of the racing league, she's banned for life, you know, like she loses all of her endorsement deals. Her husband divorces her, gets custody of the child, gets custody of their child. Um, just like all these bad things happen, and and so. To in order to make ends meet, yes, yeah, she has like this. Uh, she teaches at this little, you know, mechanical school, like you know, mechanical racing school. It's very small, you know, size of a garage essentially. But in order to make ends meet, she does transporter jobs on the low, and she ends up taking a job from a gentleman by the name of Spencer Avery, who has a client by the name of Mister Wolf, who lives down in Las Vegas, that n- needs, you know, a package. Taken from Dayton, Ohio to Las Vegas. It's a long drive. You know, within X amount of hours. Not stop. We can't got time to stop. We got to go, go, go. And so, um, you know, and so Jamel's like, well, you can just fly. You know, it's just easier. And it's just like, nope, can't fly. Can't do that. Can't do it. Sorry, got, got to drive. And and he just puts like a wad of money right in Jamel's face. Now, granted, also right now at this time, Jamel needs money to pay her mm-hmm. lawyer so she can fight for the custody of her son so it's just like well i need this money i don't know what i'm getting into but let's go and that's when that's when things really pick up and just go haywire and i i love the story i love working with this team kelly is awesome i i've been wanting to work with kelly Gillery. i had been wanting to work for kelly Gillery for years and um and we found a project i think that was perfect for all of us and and her artwork is awesome and and being able to also do like a bunch of variant covers with like all types of mm-hmm. cool artists, all doing their own take. And like with the final issue, you know, with the variant covers, I said, well, let's do something different. Let's do, uh, you know, homage covers and tribute covers. So, you know, the covers that have nothing to do with the story at all, but like, oh, here's a tribute to um, uh, ta- I always forget this gentleman's name. I always say it like Taiko Seto. The creator of Gogo 13, and it's a it's a Gogo 13 cover essentially with the characters from Ignition. Or, uh, okay, that's the cover a, a I want. <laughs> ra- <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a speed racer cover as well. Uh, Chris Jones, uh, Chris Jones did this like a speed racer tribute cover with the two main characters from Ignition. Uh, Ebony, Ebony Metal did the uh Taiko Sato uh Gogo 13 cover. Um, Jamie Noguchi did like a Super Sentai Tokusatsu tribute cover. Um, you know, and then um, Kelly Guillory did this gorgeous, gorgeous uh, cover, um, which we just call Queen. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And um, and like but we also have covers by Ray Anthony Height, uh, Martheus Wade. Um, we also have reprints for issues one and two because you can still get the first two issues, um, the reprints. And so covers from Melissa uh, Cap- Capri Capri and uh, Alexander Reese. Like it's it's great. Like I've had so much fun uh, putting all this together. Um, Yes, (laughs) there, the fulfillment. Whew, that's a lot, but it's (laughs) worth it. And in trying to raise eight thousand dollars for this big issue, I I really hope that we can hit our goal. And uh, I'm going to be stressing until about (laughs) December twelfth. And it's going to be worth it, though.
1: I'm I'm excited to see how the story ends. Not going to lie. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much thank you no i I, w- I want everybody to be able to see how this story ends so i need this fully funded you know so um so yes and um and if we hit our goal fantastic and if we get if we surpass and get to like about eleven thousand dollars everybody that uh orders a print copy will also receive um th- the art of ignition book which will be basically a uh t- 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 i guess see, i'm bad at math uh, I go to a hundred something page book, and it's just all the it's all the penciled and ink pages of ignition. It's just the raw art. That's oh, it. Wow. That's yeah. cool. So, so if we make eleven thousand, you know, all every like everybody that got the, that uh, ordered a print copy is going to get that too. You know, so um, so but we'll definitely you know,
1: include the link down. too when we post this up in our show notes. What's
2: also the, What's you. the final date for the Kickstarter? Sorry, what's, when does it the, it the final date will be December the twelfth. December 12th. December 12th, yes. yeah. So we're gonna be doing this in about 30, like overall, the overall thing is like 30 days, you know. So it started, yeah. it started on November 12th, it will end on December 12th, It'll be Christmas time. I'll be watching some Christmas specials and like just look, looking at looking at the page, like refreshing, like come on, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go. I uh, was definitely gonna be a new saying, ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> many, many meanings. Um, anyway. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> um you mentioned uh, a minute ago about transporter but it's got me curious about inspirations in terms of racing whether it's films or comics have you got any yeah. sort of racing i know i know you said transporter but is there anything else that inspires sort of your racing stories
2: yeah um actually even, i was gonna say even real life
0: like you know if this sort of taken oh yeah life, like sort of. um
2: when i was a kid when i when i was little I didn't understand NASCAR. Didn't understand anything about it. I just loved the way the cars looked. Like, this design was something as a child that always fascinated me. Like, for example, like, there's a Millennium Falcon, like, right, like, right above, like, um, one of my display shelves. Like, I became infatuated as a kid with, with design and shape. Like, I, just, I was like, oh, this is just so cool. And as a kid, we were just like, you know, because we didn't have cable. Right? When I was like three, four, I was between ages of like three through six, we did not have cable TV. So you had a television wherever channels worked. That's what you got. And on a Saturday, cartoons were over. It was too cold to go outside. I could either go in my room and read some books or listen to the radio or play with my toys. Or I could just watch whatever dance watch. And um, he had on he had it on NASCAR. And there was a race car it was like blue and red race car with like an STP logo. And it was a guy by the name of Richard Petty. And I thought that was the coolest car I had ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I was like, that car, I was like, dad, dad, dad. I was like, I-, I want that car. Where can we get that car? Can we get that car? When can we get that car? And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And um, and so like that Richard Petty st- racing car was like a really big inspiration for, for me, um, you know, race wise. Um, but yeah, like the transporter, the <laughs> Jason Statham <laughs> has made some wild movies over his career. <laughs> oh, but. Yeah. Um, But, like, movies like The Transporter and The Transporter 2 are are so ridiculous in a good way. In in a good way. Like, those were movies that were made, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, or early 2000s, that honestly have the vibe of 80s action movies.
1: because with better cars.
2: Yes. Yes. Because they do ridiculous things movies would do in the 80s. Like, in Mm -hmm. Transporter 2, like... He jumps the car, is able to flip it over midair, and have a crane yank a bomb off the bottom of the car and <laughs> then turn the car back over midair and make it land. And yeah. everybody's like, oh, that's cool. Without oh, that's breaking nice. a single window.
1: Exactly. Or second. axle. <laughs> yes, no axles were broken either.
2: No. And then, like, in, in, in number two, he beat up somebody, beat the little daylights out of somebody, got and like but like his uh his suit his suit shirt got all tore up or tattered and, and and dirty he walked back to his car popped his trunk like hit a switch oh look here's a clean shirt <laughs> wait, a minute, wait a minute now hold on hold on how did you know how did you know like just that type of that type of ridiculous stuff i've i've just i've always enjoyed and like um and like he, he he drove the hell hell out of a car in the transport. Oh, yeah, as well. And so I really um, feel like those so, movies
1: uh, bumped Audi up on everyone's list. Been, well, because I think the first one might have been BMW, but the second film was definitely Audi. Yes. So, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah, you're like, making that's the... me want to go. You're making me want to go and rewatch those movies. It's been so <laughs> it's been so long. I've never seen the fourth one, but um, I love those first three. I, to be honest with you, Jason Statham. I know he's not like. Oscar movie type level. He doesn't need to uh, but be. That, but that's not where he plays. Like, yes, right. He plays in. Like, I, like, yeah, I love pretty much. I don't think I've seen a film that I've disliked. I, I think he does carry a film well.
2: Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. he, um, he did a movie about, oh, I want to say, like, maybe it's like 2013, 2012 called Safe. Where, yes, with where Chris, like, Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. Chris Evans isn't safe. Wow. Wait. I, no, no. Oh, I have no. To go back. No, I have to go back and look and see, see who all uh, was in safe. But like he was protecting, he was protecting like this little girl. Cause he used to be a cop and, yeah. um, and like a bunch of other police officers were trying to kill this girl that was young girl that was connected to a case. And so it's like, he's like, it's his job to keep this girl safe. Mm-hmm. And it's just him beating people's asses for two hours. <laughs> like I and, like, there's a scene where like he goes into this restaurant and he t- he's starting like he's beating folks up and he starts running and jumps and literally like mid-air elbows a table the table like pops up and like knocks somebody the hell out i'm just like you- we got to rewind that i want to see that <laughs> you, know. you know, i haven't actually seen safe but i just yeah. had a quick look well, i don't yeah. have seen it. Chris-, chris evans isn't
1: in it um no i'm thinking of a different movie with chris evans and uh kim basinger and uh Jason Statham, where Jason Statham is a bad guy. Well An-
0: Anson Mountain is in it though, who I also love. Um but yeah, no, he's not in it, unfortunately. But though, there's another Jason Statham film which is Wild Crank. Like, honestly, yes. That film. movie
1: is oh. so ridiculous. Yes. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's obviously <laughs> one of the most nutshell movies. Yes. I, yeah. I know we've completely gone <laughs> out of this, but, that's uh, okay. This let's year. round it back. Let's round it back to look. <laughs> go and support. Go and support the Kickstarter. You know, that's all I've got to say, really. Go, go and go and pledge. Go and pledge your week's salary, or month's salary. And, uh, <laughs> like you know, let's let's get our book funded. Yeah. So, um, Thank you. Yeah. No, no worries at all. Um, there is a. Oh, you know, I actually did have a question I wanted to ask you yeah. um, before I let you go. In terms of recommendations. We always ask people like, so So, for instance, we run this monthly book club. Is there anything that you feel is like an essential graphic novel? Let's, so for instance, that you might recommend to
2: people? Um, Black Blacksad, uh, Black Blacksad Black is a- Oh, uh, I think that's on our list. Um, it's a detective noir, um, but like they use it, it's anthropomorphic- uh, It's anthropomorph- a cat, right? Yeah, anthropomorphic animals, yeah, it's a cat, but like it's anthropomorphic. So like, you know, they, you know they're, like, they're like humans, you know, walking on, you know, walking mm. on, you know, two feet and whatnot. Um, but like, it's very like Philip Marlowe detective type stuff. And it's, it's really cool. Um, it's very serious. Like, um, I never thought I would see something like that talk, talks about race the way that that series does, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, cause like you're using animals, you know, you're using animals, but yet there's a very like black and white conversation that is told in some of those black, sad stories. Um, there was also a uh, year, many years later because I think they had like three different gra- three separate graphic novels. But um, years later, there was an actual Black Sad game. Um, I actually mm. got a copy. I got a digital copy on my PS4. it it's, it's you know, it's really it's a really cool mystery, and it's it's really awesome. It's fantastic. But yeah, Black Sad. Um, as a matter of fact, because I'm so bad with creators' names, I'm actually going to go look real quick and see uh, the creators of Black Sad because I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> Let's see here. One second. And uh, Black Sad is a Noir comic series created by Spanish authors Juan Diaz Gonzalez and Juanio guardino And because uh, they're they're French comics that um Dark Horse is later translated um and released here in the States. And um there are like a couple of volumes. Um let's see, as a matter of fact, uh let's see. Yeah, there's there are a few volumes. There's like um Dark Horse has three volumes, and and so they're fan, they're fantastic. I I love it. I absolutely love it. I I, I can't say. I'm, I've, lost, see, I've lost my words. I, I just love it. You should check it out. It's so it's <laughs> yeah, so good. It makes you speechless. Yes, 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 it does.
0: Yes. Well,
1: if we end up putting that one in our book club, we might be hitting you up again to come back and talk about that one with us. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs>
0: just want to say thanks for your time like, i really appreciate you jumping on for like this month's conversation it's been really great i've actually just really enjoyed listening to you you're so full of enthusiasm like, obviously <laughs> we should we should bottle that stuff up so, uh, <laughs> um okay so for our next episode we'll be, be reviewing halloween uh in december uh, by reviewing the latest ghostbusters entry ghostbusters afterlife
1: and don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our 12th Late to the Party Book Club episode was Fables, Volume 1. And for our next book club, we are going to be returning to the world of Scott Pilgrim and reviewing Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, Volume 2.
0: Um, where can people find you online, Sean? Sure. Like where, where where are you on like, yeah. social um- media?
2: Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at um, Sean S H A W N R P R Y O R at Sean R Pryor on Twitter, on Instagram at the Sean P show. Um, and also my website is SeanPryor.com and it will and, and, and on that website it will tell you um, click on books and show you all the books that I've either written or collaborated on or, or what's coming soon. So those are the best places uh, to find me. We
0: are just geeks and niche everywhere. So please give us a follow, etc., on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: And you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we are everywhere. So please give us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: yes. thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much, Sean, for joining us. Yes, appreciate thank it. you so
1: much, Sean. This was a
2: lot of fun. You are more than welcome. Thank you. I appreciate y'all's time. Um, I can't I can't say thanks enough. And and even like the little homie Winston that I have right here. <laughs> little homie Winston thank you as well. You know, so uh so yeah, so thank you, y'all. I appreciate y'all. I All
1: worries. right, good journey.
2: <laughs> good journey.